the League of Women Voters of Dane County, and Madison City Channel present Know Your Candidates United States Senate Republican Primary Here's your moderator, Diane Martin-Liebert. Welcome to Madison City Channel's Know Your Candidates interviews, co-sponsored by the League of Women Voters of Dane County. I'm your moderator, Diane Martin-Liebert, and I'd like to introduce one of the Republican candidates for the U.S. Senate, Stephen Finn. Welcome. Thank you. Um, I've got a series of questions here, and then we'll just go right through them. Uh, what is your professional, educational, and civic background that qualifies you for the U.S. Congress, and why are you running? Well, I've worked in the construction trades all my life. After high school, I went and got a job at a plumbing company. I got an apprenticeship. I got a journeyman's license, and eventually I got my master's license. I volunteered for a few candidates over the years, uh, but uh, in this particular occasion, I felt I, need, I wanted to become the candidate so I could talk about and, and push the issues that I felt were important and I, that I felt weren't getting talked about. There's often uh, people say, well, well, what qualifies you? Our founding fathers felt that everybody should have a right to bring their ideas to the public forum and they can talk about what those ideas and how they're going to help the country and then the voters on uh, election day will decide if, if those ideas are the best ideas and if that's the best person that they want to represent them. I don't know if people think uh, there are geniuses running, uh, representing them then in Congress right now. They're running up quite a bit of debt. They're spending quite a bit of money we don't have. And so I feel that uh, I can uh, bring a little common sense to this area, to the United States Senate. And I think if we do that, uh, we'll all be a lot better off and so will the economy. Thank you. What do you believe is the most urgent issue for residents of Wisconsin that can be addressed in the Senate and why? And what do you think the solutions for that issue are? Well, the most urgent issues for the, the voters of Wisconsin are the same that they are for the country. The economy is in very bad shape. We're piling up quite a bit of debt that is going to be passed down to our kids. And we need to get this economy rolling again in the right direction where the gross domestic product is expanding, jobs are expanding, people can find work. And that will allow people to get up in the morning at 6 o'clock in the morning, go to work, and earn a living and feed their families. I think that's the number one issue for Wisconsin. I think it's the number one issue for the country. Okay. Um, there's an urgent sense that partisan politics is hampering the advise and consent role of the Senate. Do you believe this is this, and how would you work to fix it? Well, I bring my ideas that I have to make things better to the people of Wisconsin, and if they would vote me into the office of the United States Senate, then I would take those ideas to the United States Senate. As far as partisanship, that's a, maybe a, a, a better way to say it is people disagree. You have 99 other senators when you get to the United States Senate, and they all have their own ideas about how to make things better. I think it's incumbent upon all of us who go to the United States Senate to sit down as reasonable people and work through some of these problems. Now some problems or some issues maybe we won't be able to come to an agreement, but I think it's incumbent on them to get as much done they can for the people so they can improve things for the people. After all, we represent the people and if we don't go there to solve problems, what good are we to the people? So. 
I will put my ideas out here in a public forum. I'll advocate for them. I'll defend them if necessary when they're attacked. And when I go to the United States, United States Senate and represent the people of Wisconsin, I'll sit down in a, in a reasonable fashion and work and try to solve problems to the best of my ability. This is part of democracy to debate and to uh, have the back and forth with ideas. And I think instinctively most of the people in America understand it. Thank you. Uh, what would you identify as the most important issue of domestic policy that the Congress must deal with in the upcoming term and why? And what do you believe should be done about the issue? Well, again, we get back to uh, the number one issue, and that is get the economy going again so people can go back to work. Uh, we've suffered quite a bit of setback economically, and uh, so that is the number one thing we have to do. Now, the problem here is you have people who disagree on how to do it. There are people who are spending quite a bit of money, and they claim that this is the way to get the economy moving forward, that this is going to make things better. And you've got quite a bit of people on the other side that say, no, this is the wrong way to do it. You cannot spend money you don't have. Well, if you look at your own family or if you own business, of course you can't spend money you, have, you don't have. That's a way to financial ruin, not financial prosperity. So the ideas that I have are is to stop spending money we don't have, get back to a balanced budget, and then we'll get back to what we had in the late 90s. Three balanced budgets in a row, work for everybody who uh, wanted to work, and we had an economy that could bounce back from setbacks very quickly as long as the government didn't continue to spend money it didn't have. We had stock market crash in March of 2000, quite a big setback, but yet the unemployment rate never went up above 60%. These are the ideas I have to make things better, get back to a balanced budget, and I think that's the way to, uh, forward. So uh, that's uh, a change in direction from the direction I think we are headed now, and those are the ideas that are, I think are going to make things better. Okay. And what would you identify as the most important foreign policy issue that Congress must deal with in the upcoming term and why? And what do you believe should be done about this issue? Well, uh, Afghanistan and Iraq are the most important policy questions, foreign policy questions right now, because uh, there are soldiers over there and they're in harm's way. I think Iraq is pretty much decided. The president himself has said he's going to bring those troops home. Now, he said he's going to bring the troops in Afghanistan home uh, in uh, next summer, summer of 2011. This is what he said. Now, events can change. Nobody has a crystal ball, but this is the plan. Uh, as much as senators like to think they control foreign policy, the fact is they don't. There is one commander-in-chief, not a hundred of them in the United States Senate. If he orders troops to go to a certain country and he orders them to be in harm's way, I in good conscience can't vote against anything uh, that is going to deprive these soldiers of what they need in order to protect themselves. You and I have the luxury to sit here, debate the policy question back and forth. Soldiers don't have that luxury if the commander-in-chief orders them to go in harm's way, that's what they have to do. So I disagree with the policy of the soldiers being there. I have said openly and every time I'm asked, I want the soldiers home. I think it's time for them to come home, but I'm not the commander-in-chief. The other one foreign policy hotspot that I'd like to touch on is something that I think is being overlooked quite a bit, and that's North Korea. It is becoming increasingly provocative in that uh, part of the world. I think we're headed for some trouble in that part of the world. 
We've got about 30,000 troops there in, uh, on the border uh, between North and South Korea. We've never officially ended that war. It's really just a ceasefire. Now, there hasn't been uh, combat over there in quite a long time. We have more troops in uh, Japan. I think we're going to see some trouble in, in, in probably the not-too-distant future in that part of the world. North Korea worries me. Okay. If you're elected, what committees would you be most interested in serving on and why? Uh, the Budget Committee is something that uh, interests me a great deal because if you want to get to a balanced budget, you want to deal with the overall budget picture. There's other committees that are also of interest to me. Uh, appropriations is always a very uh, sought-after committee, but it's unlikely they let a freshman get on there. We have a senior senator, Herb Cole, who is already on the Appropriations Committee, so uh, they might not be too inclined to let two, two senators from one state get on that committee. But the, how, the, the Senate uh, committee where the budget is made is probably my number one thing that I would want to pursue because overall economic policy, if we could make the budget that is put together really in the spring, if we could make that binding, uh, I think you can get uh, a lot done as far as balancing a budget. Right now you put a budget together, usually in the spring, although they didn't do it this particular year, uh, but it's not binding. So you have other people on other committees throughout Congress, whether it be finance, banking, or, or the appropriations that kind of ignore the budget and they continuously spend money beyond what is budgeted in the spring. If we make the budget that is put together between uh, the two houses of Congress, and it's usually put together in the spring, if we make that binding, meaning you can't go beyond what uh, that budget is set forth, I think you'll get a, uh, make a lot more progress towards a balanced budget. Okay. As a freshman senator, what do you think um, is the most important way for you to make your mark among the 100 members of the Senate? The best way, I think, to make your mark uh, as a freshman center is to not uh, go there and, and seek out a lot of publicity stunts. Uh, I think you come there, the old saying is you come there, you're seen but not heard. Uh, and I, although I don't want to ascribe to that exactly because I think you need to be heard, you're sent there to represent your people, so you need to be heard, so on, on occasions you should speak up especially for things you feel strongly about. But there is something to be said about going there, doing the work, uh, knowing the subjects that you're uh, going to be assigned to, whatever committee you're assigned to, and, and I think earning the respect of your colleagues. So when you do speak up on an issue, when you are trying to advocate for your constituents, people understand that you're really trying to represent people back in your home state and maybe the country as a whole and not just trying to seek out some uh, publicity just so you can get your name in the paper. So I think doing the work that uh, you're assigned to do on the committees you're assigned and uh, knowing uh, uh, the topics and the subjects that you're going to try to pursue and advocate. Okay, thank you. Now, are there any issues that you'd like to discuss that obviously haven't come up in this? Well, sure. One of the main issues I'd like to touch on We've touched on the balanced budget, which is my number one issue. Uh, one of the other one things I want to talk about is some of the things that we, I think we as Republicans have to start offering. Anybody can talk about what they're against, but what are you for? I can sit here and re recite problems about too much debt, uh, but that's the problem. Uh, you know, what is the solution? 
So one of the things I want to talk about is the recently passed health care bill. The recently passed health care bill uh, has achieved what I think it was designed to achieve, and that is it's made health care more costly for everybody. And I think this was the design of the bill. They couldn't get, uh, well, they call it a public option. Some people refer to it as government health care. Uh, when you make health care more expensive, more and more people have to rely on the government, and I think that's their path to a single-payer system, which I don't think is the solution for America. I'd like a medical bank account where part of the payroll tax is diverted into a medical bank account in everybody's name. Not all of it, but some of this money could be um, go to a medical bank account in each individual's name. They could own it. They could control it. Uh, and in this way, you can achieve uh, a medical care cushion or buffer between somebody needing health care but not having the money to pay for it. And it really doesn't cost anything extra to the people that are uh, in need of it. The other thing is it builds up in the healthy years. It can build up year after year. So each year that goes by, this medical bank account gets bigger and bigger, providing a bigger and bigger cushion. This allows the Medicare and Medicaid funding mechanisms to be what they're designed to do. It takes the long-term pressure off them, meaning the long, what they call in Washington, the long-term cost curve that bends it down because less and less people rely on the government, more and more rely on their medical bank account. And it also achieves something else that's very, very important. And that is, uh, for a free market system to work, you have to pay directly for what you receive. That's why your groceries are very affordable. It's why your computer is very affordable, yet every year there's a new computer comes out and, and it's better and faster and works better. Uh, a medical bank account can work the same way, but only if you're paying directly for the health care. And if you have to take money out of your own personal medical bank account to pay for the health care, then people are very, very careful about where they go to get their health care, but more importantly, what is it costing them and what are they getting for what they're paying? You'll see less pressure on emergency room hospitals, which is unfortunately where a lot of people have to go. With a medical bank account for everybody who works, it can achieve in the very first year 90% coverage now because 90% of the people are working. But in normal times when you only have 5% unemployment, it would achieve 95% coverage. And in those few times when you're in between jobs, that medical bank account still has that money in there for you. So even though you might be unemployed, you still have a safety zone, a buffer zone between needing medical care and not having money to pay. So I think a medical bank account is very, very important, and I think it's a good solution that I offer. Hopefully I can uh, convince some others to uh, take a look at it and give it some thought. Are there any other issues that you're... Yeah, I talk about them on my website as well. I'd like to simplify the, the tax code. It is uh, incredibly complicated. Uh, it is a drag on the economy. Uh, my my uh, simplification would be very simple. You'd fall into four categories, 5, 10, 20, or 30 percent. It'd be a tax on your gross in income. There'd be no deductions at all except charitable contributions. It doesn't matter if you're married, kids, no kids, head of household, not head of a household. Uh, the tax would be just on your gross in income after you deduct for charitable contributions. And I think it's not a, lo a lower tax rate for everybody. I think it can achieve higher revenues, which it did for 
President Kennedy when he cut taxes in the early 60s. That's actually where Ronald Reagan got his idea when he cut taxes in the early 80s and it achieved higher revenue. Unfortunately, spending also went up during that time, so the deficit didn't get, uh, didn't come down. But I think a lower tax rate of simple, understandable code like that could probably be filled out in 15 minutes, probably on a single sheet of paper. And I think we could get a better economy and one that grows uh, a, a lot better. Uh, and I think that helps get the economy back to where we need it to get to. This has been a very interesting discussion. Unfortunately, we are running out of time. So you have um, a minute actually left to make a closing statement. Well, thank you. First of all, I'd like to have, thank the League of Women Voters for, for having me. It's a good opportunity, and it gives me a chance to talk to the people. Uh, if, if I can convince you to take a look at my website, I can say finforsenate.com, I assume. Oh, sure. Uh, I talk about solutions, not problems. I talk about uh, not what I'm against, but what I'm for. And I'm hoping in this way I can add to the debate and, and eventually earn your vote, which is going to take place on September 14th, the year 2010. Anybody can talk about what they're against, but what are you for? Anybody can talk about problems, but can you talk about solutions? That's what I try to do. That's what I'm going to try to bring to this campaign. And I'm hopeful that come September 14th, I've earned the respect and the support of the voters of Wisconsin. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And I want to thank members of the audience for um, the viewers for um, tuning in. And please vote on Tuesday, September 14th. If you'd like more information about voting procedures, you can get a copy of the League of Women Voters uh, Candidates Answers. It comes out, it's published in the Isthmus in the, I always forget, the, not the Thursday before thanks, uh, the election, the one before that. Or you can call the League office at 232-9447. Again, I'm Diane Martin-Liebert, and on behalf of the City of Madison Channel and the Dane County League of Women Voters, I'd like to thank you all for joining us. Mm -hmm.